Welcome everybody to another episode of CIR Realty Business Mastery. And today we have a special guest who is one of our managers and we're so grateful to have him on. We have Terrence Walsh here and we are going to be talking today about the power of professional courtesy. And it's one of those things that is almost like the lost art of common sense in, in a lot of respects, but there's also some other stuff that you need to keep in mind. And I know Terrence is someone who has been in real estate now for um, 14 years. Uh, he's been on our management team for four years coming on starting his fifth year. And we are absolutely grateful to have him working with us. So Terrence, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm excited to to help and to do my part. So looking forward to it. Awesome. Also, well, uh, Chloe, since she got on one early and, uh, you know, now it's my turn. So Chloe beat me too. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. That's right. Chloe did the home investment reviews. That was, that was great. So, okay. So Terrence, start us off when we say professional courtesy, what do you think about you know, I, I think about carefully setting expectations all around. Um, there's a courtesy that we have to provide to our fellow agents that we're going to be working with on the other end of the deal. And we can start setting those expectations with our buyer or our seller as to how we're going to flow right from day one. Um, you know, telling our client that the best way for us to help them is to be empathetic to the other agent and of course the other client on the other end of the transaction. Um, most of the best deals and the best agents, they're able to create win-wins for both, for everybody all around. And how do you do that? By putting yourself in the shoes of the other people on the other side of the equation as good as you can and then approaching it to try to meet all the objectives. So professional courtesy, I, I think is mainly that, is putting yourself in the other person's shoes and then um, Along the way, never putting somebody in an impossible situation. Um, you know, there's a saying, you know, you never put a kid, a child into an impossible situation. Um, you never want to do that in business either. Huh. I'm, I'm interested to hear mm-hmm. more about that. That's not something. Can you, can you give us an example of what that might look like in a real estate transaction? Oh, and or, or, or in parenting, either or. Well, when you're thinking about how you're, you're raising a child or you want them to, to learn and grow, you know, you don't put them in a situation that's impossible for them to see some victory, to, to learn a few things. Um, you don't stack the odds against them, in other words. So when you think about, you know, I'm representing a buyer and I'm going in on a property and as a professional, I might know that that property um, just hit the market, that there's a scarcity going on. So the best thing for me to do is to set my buyer's expectations on all the parameters that I can see and then try to approach that seller knowing what the seller knows, but to achieve my buyer's objective. Um, I also think about a situation like uh, I've got a buyer who is excited and we're out seeing five homes and suddenly they want to see that, that uh, house that you're driving by as you speak. How many times have we as listing agents gotten a call? Hey, can I show your property? Uh, yeah. When? In 10 minutes, right? Totally. <clears throat> so <clears throat> part of me, Set any expectation with that buyer that that's not likely going to be something you can do right away um, will make them not feel let down when you can't get, get them into that home right then and there. All as well, you know, if you did happen to make that call, if that listing agent had set the expectation with their seller that, hey, sometimes this is going to happen, uh, we, you know, you might want to be ready to, to ship them the fly sometimes. Um, that could create a showing opportunity, but the professional courtesy comes in on both ends of setting that expectation with your buyer ahead of time, setting that expectation with your seller ahead of time. Um, and then when you call that agent being courteous, you know, being courteous and listen, we're driving by, here's a scenario. If you can make it happen, great. If not, you know, we'll be back. Um, it's courtesy all around. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love the setup to that. And, and so much of that also is you talked about, you know, you talked about setting the expectations and um, you know, of the seller and understanding that's it. And then also from the buyer's perspective um, or, or from the seller, from the seller agent perspective, our, our agent Facebook page is, is quite the, um, 
uh, quite the spot for drama sometimes. And, and people are just like, you know, can you believe the audacity of this agent that, you know, called me and, and expects my seller to be out of the house within 10 minutes. And it's like, well, we've all had that client that, you know, you happen to be there. You happen to have a little extra time. You might as well call and see if the, the, the clients are home and are, are out of the, out of work or something like that. And if we can get in, I mean, you never know. So you definitely, I love what you talked about, put yourself in other people's shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's let's dive into the, a transaction here, and let's or and, and let's go through a, a transaction step by step because I think that we're going to be able to sort of dig lessons out of this. And I love you know we also engaged our agents on Facebook uh, late last week and ask them sort of what are your uh, the professional courtesies that you think are lacking sometimes and people were not shy to pipe up. Everyone's got um, a story or that uh, that thing that grinds their gears. So uh, let's talk about just professional courtesy. The first time that you are contacting or discussing needs with a client, someone has been referred to you, you made the phone call to them at the start uh, let's maybe start there. What kind of things can you do to be have professional courtesy towards the client? I, th- I think first and foremost is to listen as much as you can to the scenario that is presented to you by that prospective buyer or seller. <clears throat> I think a lot of agents feel the need that as soon as they get talking with somebody that they need to shine, that they need to show how good of an agent that they are for fear that they're going to lose that client. When the truth is, is that if you can clearly understand their perspective and where where they're coming from, you can now respond in ways that will allow you to shine naturally through the words you advise them based on your experience. So it's not all about how good I am, but I'm going to educate you now in such a way that answers your question thoroughly, and then I'm going to ask more questions. So I think the courtesy is knowing that as professionals, we've been there, done that. And if I put myself in the shoes of that first time buyer, and I think back to when I bought my first house, there's an excitement there that is just insane. So to be able to to speak to that in a way that doesn't overwhelm them. um, I think the, the, the best realtors are the ones that give that information in a methodical manner, gives them just enough to digest, has them wanting more, and then having the, uh, you know, the, the, the position of mind to forecast what's coming next so that you're always one step ahead of the game. Um, I think the listening portion is the most important of all. Uh, there's so many, and, and it's funny because we can probably talk about on our Facebook page. If we asked agents to describe a time when they got a listing over another agent, and that agent was somebody that is high caliber, you know, in the news, in the media, you know, 100 transactions a year, it's probably because our agent listened and really keyed in and cared about the client. So as a professional, we have to understand that we have the power to control. Um, we have the power to set expectations and not just bombard people with useless information or all about me, me, me. Got it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's so important because that's when you find out what the client actually needs. And I think you nailed it. Like the foundation of that, of what we're trying to do, especially on the buyer side is, um, you know, just, just find something that suits their needs. And, and even on the seller side, you know, listening to the things that they loved about the house. I know that some sellers, we always joke that sellers believe that their houses have gold nails. And as a result, their seller, their house is worth, you know, uh, $40,000 more than we think it should be worth. But there's actually value in there because the things that they loved about their home, the next person might love about their home. And we've seen so many people, so many agents that are used to talking all the time uh, to just actually stop and say, all right, listen, um, we want to just, uh, you know, find out what you want, what your needs are, because then we're able, able to meet it. That, that concept, Ninja talks about it where, you know, you, we want a golf course in the backyard behind us. We want to live on a golf course. Well, well, why? Why do you want to live on a golf course? Well, we want open space. Oh, wait a minute. So a park or a ravine um, would also work. Um, or maybe even a green space would also work. And they're like, yeah, actually that work as well. But many agents just set them up on the golf course search and that's it. And then that person walks into their open house, buys something without you and the agents are upset. 
indeed. You know, to build on that, it, it's funny because some people would say, oh, I never want to live on a highway. But that same client, you know, there's certain areas of the highway that, oddly enough, might not have a crazy hum and they never would have thought about it. But as the professional, you know, you can bring those ideas, take them to properties. If they don't like it, they don't like it. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you as a professional have the ability to see things that they just can't see in their limited experience. So politely telling them that in a way that leads them, not, I know, I know, but have you considered this? It, it's so important. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the best coaches out there, you know, uh, ask great questions. Um, I love that. And that's part of it. We're, we spend a lot of time coaching our clients. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is uh, we get a, we, we do get a fair amount of new agents starting their careers with CIR and you see the fear in their eyes that I've got my first client now what? And you know, you leave them by, you leave these agents and you say, listen, you're going to ask some very basic questions and you're going to leave them with it. <clears throat> and while the buyer is, is, is answering those questions through an email or text or what have you, um, you're going to talk to your colleagues. You're going to talk to management and you're going to find out the next five questions. And in doing so, it creates a process and, and a smoothness to it where you can set expectations, always stay ahead of the game. And I think that's professional courtesy right there. Um, clients come to us expecting us to know the process. They expect us to drive the bus and avoid the potholes. So yeah. the better that we can prepare to do that uh, and the better we can do that, they're, they're going to have the win that they desire. So. Nice. I like it. Now let's, before we get into, I know what everyone's chomping to talk about is uh, agent to agent uh, communication and agent to agent relations. Um, but let's, let's just first talk for a second, because I just want to talk about how professional courtesy is everything that you do. You're, you're walking into a seller's home right now and um, you are, you know, you're meeting them at the kitchen table. You're in someone's personal residence. Um, Terrence, talk us about some of the things that some agents should really be conscious of when going into somebody else's home to meet with them, call it the listing appointment. Okay. First thing is not to rush through the home. Um, so many agents will sit down at the coffee table and not view the home, or they'll do a walkthrough of the home with the seller, and it'll be so fast that, you know, well, there's the bedroom. There's the other bedroom. Here's the master. Inside of 30 seconds, you're, you're proceeding from the upstairs to the downstairs. Get them talking. Get them telling you about how, you know, they worked in this office to build their sole proprietor career. Get them talking about, you know, a memory or something about the, the baby's room. Or did you realize that this home is only three-minute walk to the school? Get them talking throughout. Get them boasting and enjoying that somebody else is genuinely interested in the stories with the home. Make yeah. them feel like you care about the fact that they've lived there. And this isn't just a commission to you, but helping them sell something that they probably own for some time. Take your time going through it versus just getting right down to business. And I, I love that. Paramount. Sorry. No, I was going to say, would you, would, would a seller be more likely or less likely to list with you if they felt that you were, genuinely genuinely cared about their home took the time to deeply understand what they loved about the home um, I've seen realtors lose listing appointments in, in competing scenarios many times because the other agent was willing to put a higher price on the home and it said you know oh they, they think you can get 625 I think we should start at 660 and then and then move from there and you know the market is always the same, you know, is that person is not creating a different market, but the seller is like someone that genuinely believes in their home and loves it. And if you show that understanding, but you need to have a difficult conversation about price, I think that the person that did exactly what you're talking about is going to be the person that wins the day. I would agree with you. And to that point, if you came into my home and really gave me the feels that you understood me, why I'm selling the house a little bit about the home, um, and then you had to have a tough conversation with me about why I'm wrong with wanting a higher price. I'm more likely to believe you and to understand you and not say, this guy's just trying to blow my house out and, and get a quick sale. 
because you've taken the time to get to know me and, and, and ultimately the home you're trying to sell. So I agree with you fully, Lindsay. Yeah. Awesome. I want to add one more thing to that viewing the seller's home. And that is that I believe realtors do clients a disservice by always whitewashing everything. Oh, this is the most amazing home I've ever seen. It's, it's awesome. You, you, you should be doing that to some point and really take the care and attention. I always like the, like the statement, if, um, um, if the kids toys are everywhere and things like that, you can say, you know what, you, what's really cool is that you guys made your home functional. You guys lived in your home, whereas lots of people treat their home like a, like a, like a hospital room or something like that. You guys lived in it. And I love that you enjoyed this home for all it's worth. Yep. And then you need to have, and this other part about this is you need to have, um, you need to have it where you honor this person enough to not lead them down some BS path about that they can still live in their home the same way they've lived in it before with all the toys everywhere. You need to have that difficult conversation and respect them enough to say, hey, now we're going on the market and now we have to appeal to the buyers at large and we got we to gotta change this a little bit. We got to depersonalize it. And those staging conversations, sometimes you can delegate them to a stager. But I think as realtors, you have to not lead your client down the wrong path. You have to be prepared to have some difficult conversations with them early on mm -hmm. in order to do that. And I think that's, a, that's professionalism. I think that's a, uh, the ability to have those conversations. And I recommend anybody read the book, Crucial Conversations, because uh, there's a lot at stake. This is the mm -hmm. person's very valuable possession, but um, we got to be able to say to them, Hey, you know, your house in the current state does not work. Lindsay, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I want to build on that a little. Um, they're hiring you or interviewing you to cut out the BS. Yeah. They absolutely. want your professional opinion on what's going to make those images shine. And when a buyer walks through the door, they don't have to critique and, and rip apart the living room saying, Oh, I can't stand that, that stuff that's over the window coverings. And I can't stand how dark this is. And wow, does this room feel small? You need to be the professional that, that tells them less is more. You need to be able to walk walk freely. If they have the, the, the green vines around the cabinets and the windows, because, you know, that's what they love. You know, I would be the first one to say, this looks fantastic. But I do need you to take those down because yep. it's not going to appeal to all buyers. And we want to be a bit of a Swiss army knife here and that everybody can see themselves using and living in this home. And unfortunately those things, they're going to pull away from a lot of our demographic that we're going to be aiming for. Yep. So you, you have to have those conversations and you can deliver bad news in a positive way. You truly can. And yep. that's what they want from you ultimately. Well, and, and for people, um, uh, you know, and we're, we're, I don't normally acknowledge the chat, but I want to acknowledge a comment here that says, you know, uh, doesn't the, the concept of telling them how much, how good, they were, how good they've done. Um, and I'm not sure if this is exactly what they're talking about, but doesn't that work against detaching the seller from the home? And when they talk about crucial conversations, there's two parts to a crucial conversation. Uh, well, the stakes are high and things like that. But in order to address it, the first thing is, is that the party has to feel that you respect them. And then the other part is that they have to feel safe in the conversation. But this part of what respecting them is that you have to acknowledge that this person has put their heart and soul into this house. And if they don't feel that, if they, if the seller doesn't feel that you believe that anything else you say is going to land on deaf ears. Cause mm -hmm. then now it's a matter of, you know, uh, educating them on what they need to do in order to adapt. You have to honor where they're at and where they came from. And yeah. uh, with listening, everything you talked about, Terrence was so bang on on that. So well, you know, and, and as we build on that, um, you know, the initial listing appointment when you're in their home, part of being a, a professional is getting what you need from them without overwhelming them, without making them shut down and, and start tuning out. And I think the listening aspect and, and identifying and answering their crucial needs, making them feel the love in a lot of ways, um, and then understanding that as a realtor, you have a lot of tools at your, at your power. You can leave them with your, uh, with, your, with your listing presentation. And in that has a bunch of other questions to educate them on. Um, one of my favorite things about our listing package is give me the top 10 things about your home and community. Because during your walkthrough of the home, you're picking up on key ingredients that are gonna help you appeal to your seller and market the home 
when you do your marketing piece. But if there's not enough time for that, you can leave that package with them and tell them to send you a snapshot of that. As they're writing down, because they want to list their property the best, maybe, maybe they're thinking they might not hire you. But as they're writing, they're going to start thinking, wow, that Lindsay guy, he's giving me some stuff to chew on. Yep. These are the reasons I love my house. And suddenly when they send that back to you, you've got everything you need to market this home between talking about their home and that piece of paper. So there's so many tools at your use, um, at your disposal that you can use. And, uh, and I think the best realtors do that. Effectively. Love it. I love it. All right. Let's switch gears. Now the house is on the market and now we're going through the showing process, which is a massive, can be a massive frustration for a lot of agents. Um, I think that, you know, we really need, we wish everybody in the industry could be on this episode right now, just, just <laughs> looking at this and we wish that everybody would. And it's funny because the, the good ones are on and then it's the people that really need to hear some of this that aren't on, but <laughs> Terrence, why don't you take us, start us off and give us, you know, you're, you're setting up showings. We're going through that showing process. This could even be, you know, going into the house, you know, things like that. What are the professional courtesies to consider um, during the showing process? Well, I think with talking to the seller, it's telling your seller, don't be offended when somebody walks in and spends five minutes in your home and walks out. Um, yeah. You know, that's, that's one of the main things because how many of us have had a seller that's called us and said, yeah, I pulled out of my driveway, pulled down the street, and the, the realtor was in and out in five minutes. Didn't even leave a car. Even left my lights on. Totally. They set any expectation with your seller that that's going to happen. Um, it's going to happen and there's no way around it. And, and if they challenge us that, well, that other realtor, they're unprofessional, uh, maybe so, or maybe they missed those two lights that the kid ran up and, and flipped on and uh, they had thought they were turned off. Um, maybe they, maybe the car dropped down behind a, a railing or something. Um, there's so many different things that can happen, but giving the benefit of the doubt, I think is a big thing. Um, uh, you know, we set expectations and as showing realtors, you know, we do our best. Sometimes something gets missed. And oh, totally. So setting expectation with our sellers about how things can go down. I think, I think to take that one step further as well, Lindsay, is setting the expectation with our seller that, listen, we're, we're likely not going to get much feedback from realtors. It's the unfortunate way that our industry has gone. Um, not too long ago, probably good four years ago, um, our governing bodies came out and said, in some situations, you're providing a competitive disadvantage when you provide feedback to a selling realtor. And we all interpret that as, okay, at least I do, I can still provide some feedback and tell the listing agent that, listen, this isn't the perspective of my buyer. This is my perspective as a professional. Um, I, I like realtors that do that personally. It, it yep. really helps to uh, give something back to a seller, but setting that expectation with our seller that it's likely not going to happen too frequently. That way they're not coming to you after every showing. Where's my feedback? How many of us have had a, a, a showing that occurred at 10 and our seller's calling us at 1 p.m. Where's my feedback? <laughs> totally, totally, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, no. and make sure, on that standpoint, make sure you have a communication plan with your seller telling them when you're gonna be updating them, including the feedback on the showings. I, I always find newer agents immediately, like the showing finishes, the seller's on the horn to them saying, hey, what's going on? It's like, whoa, I'm with another client right now. Like, I, I can't get this done. And also, agents, be empathetic to, of course, we, I encourage people to give feedback exactly the way that you said, Terrence, give your, give your situation on it uh, or give your uh, perspective on it. But also recognize that if I'm a, a buyer, if I'm taking out buyers, let's say I have three buyers on a Saturday and I'm doing some in the morning some in the afternoon, some in the evening or later in the evening. And I've just shown 20 homes like, if I'm going to go back and give feedback, let alone even remember them, like it almost becomes impossible. And then it's like feedback request number one, feedback request number two. Feedback, and, and it's yep. just, you know, it's, yep. it's almost impossible. So if you don't get, I love what you said about set your seller up for expectation, but still do your best to provide feedback when you can. Yep. And, um, 
you know, and, 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 and that's it. And also still do your best to get feedback from, from people as well. So. Well, I'm, I'm going to play the devil's advocate as well. Um, I've been on some caravans in my career and I've also received feedback, you know, from agents that show my property. And when I look back in the history of the last six or eight months, those realtors have not had a single sale in the community yeah. um, or even the ones around. So in some cases, the feedback I'm getting from other agents is not necessarily something that my, my seller needs to believe hook, line, and sinker. How many agents will just say price too high? Price yep. too high. Not considering, right. you know, the upgrades, the fact that you're not on a through road, the fact that you are on a, a green space, whereas all relevant recent sales have none of those. Um, so as a professional, we do have to educate our clients throughout and, and, and try to get it to the point where they're not swayed by their neighbor who has something to say, by their sister that lives uh, in Ontario, talking about how the home sale should go. We really have to be the professionals guiding that ship and, and, and setting those expectations every step of the way. Um, professional, being a professional is perhaps giving your, your seller a checklist. Have you put your valuables away? Um, have you uh, done this, 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 and this to prepare for your showings? Yes. Um, that sort of thing. And as a buying agent as well, setting the expectation, you know, hey, is there any way you can have your kids stay with the parents or the in-laws for these showings? Um, or if they're coming, uh, we really need to be diligent that the kids aren't jumping on the bits, that the kids aren't grabbing the transformers and playing with them. Um, and this is, of course, pre-COVID times, but even more so now with, with everything going on with COVID, um, setting those expectations with the buyers before you even step foot in the first property. Paramount importance. There's no, we're the professionals. There's no need to have a, oh, I should have told them that. And now this, this got broken the house, right? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, I, I, I want to speak to a theme that you mentioned there. And I have this belief that there's 7 billion people in the world and there's one of me. And some people just view it as it is their duty that whenever they've been wronged or there's an injustice served against them, they need to flip out, tell the world on Facebook or social media and take every complaint to the board or whatever else. And there are some cases that, yes, you know, you should absolutely bring this up to ensure that this reckless agent doesn't do it again or whatever. There's no question. But lots of times there's honest mistakes that happen. And one of the things that you talked about, Terrence, which is so good, is I can't change 7 billion people. I can't go out and make it my duty to tell that person that they're wrong because suddenly, you know, if you even text somebody calling them an a-hole, um, I know people just change. They say, oh, yeah, I am an a-hole. I should change my whole life. Uh, because because Lindsay Smith texted me and told me I'm an a-hole. That's the way people respond. Yeah, right. Um, but what you said is your seller, you're setting the expectations. Your seller is putting away valuables. Your, your, your buyer is having their kids um, stay with somebody else during showings, things like that. So what you're doing is that if someone comes into the house and a kid or somebody has sticky fingers, you know, they might take something, there's nothing to take. It's like, it's already been done. It's already been put away. Um, you're, you're, setting up, um, you're setting up the other side so that your kids are not getting the way that they might break something or things like that. You're, mm -hmm. you're, you're setting yourself up to adjust. You're adapting your own actions and help your seller and your buyers be successful versus the other way around. I would say that you know, we get a lot of, and one of the things that comes up is, you know, are people asking the question about, is the property CS or not? Um, you know, is it conditionally sold? And, you know, they ignored it. They saw it in showing time with a book and request, but they ignored the question. Well, you have to adapt yourself. Some people honestly were just quickly accepting the showing. They might have, you know, 30 properties up. It might be a busy weekend. Um, you should be asking the question in another way. I know it takes more time, but you have to adjust yourself. You know, we get paid quite a bit of money if we actually sell a house. So we should be taking those actions. We have to adjust our actions to that. And then obviously that involves in the, in the um, taking your time when you get the showing time request to read through it, you're adjusting your actions, you know, yes. and that involves you being courteous, but 
don't feel like you're going to change everybody in this world. So set your seller up as much as you can to understand what's happening. Set your buyers up as much as you can to understand what's happening. And even the standpoint, of, I asked if it was CS, I did not hear back for various reasons. You don't want to throw the other agent under the bus um, because they might've just honestly missed it and say, there is a chance there could be an off in this property, just like any property that we go to look at. So, Absolutely. You know, it's interesting you say that it's, it, you, what you just said in a lot of ways sums up exactly what this entire conversation today is about. Because we have the ability to set these expectations with our seller, set the expectation with our buyer. As things are starting to evolve and us the professional, we can kind of see how the roadmap's going. We can then set them up for what we think is going to happen next. So they're always a step ahead. Totally. Now, pardon me. Now comes a little little touch on the other realtors involved that we're working with on the other side. <laughs> so Lindsay Smith has just shown my property a second time today. It's uh, Monday at 11 a.m. And my tuition says there could be an offer coming today on Monday. Uh, hey, Lindsay, thank you for showing my property a second time. I just want to give you the heads up. I've got showings from 6 until 8.30 tonight. So there's a chance that if you send me an offer, I don't know if, you're, if your clients are gonna be there, that I'm not gonna be able to respond until about 9 p.m. I wanted to give you the heads up. That way, Lindsay's not calling, texting, and emailing an offer at 6.15 with an offer that expires at 10 p.m. saying, what the heck? Don't you wanna sell your client's house? Totally, totally, yeah. So setting those expectations with our fellow colleagues and professionals is a paramount importance along the way as well. We can do that without letting our sellers down, without letting our buyers down. We just have to communicate. And I think the biggest professional courtesy of all is that agents need to get on the phone and hear the other agent's voice. Yeah. There's so much lost in the text message. There is so much lost in an email, especially when you get a call in the middle of showing a property, you just came out of, negotiating an offer and now you're showing homes. And as soon as you've done that, you've got your kids recital at 3 p.m. at their school. So when you factor all this stuff in, we are a busy industry. So being very courteous, courteous and uh, setting expectations with the other realtors involved, paramount importance every step of the way. Yeah, I love that. And, and, and this, it boils down to communication uh, and, and deliberate communication. And that is even on our side, when we read showing time and there is that request for CS, um, then you are being very deliberate with reading through, just like you would read through an offer, um, be deliberate with if you are going to be late for a showing, if you're, if you're going to be a no show or you show up to the property and your client says, I'm looking at the outside. I don't even want to see it. Like I, I don't even want to go in. Um, I recommend running in or dropping off a card and then, you know, leaving Absolutely. and that's fine. Or if, if for some reason time is tight and you can't go and see it, message the person, let them know what happened take that time. And, and, and here's the theme and here's another theme just to kind of give an overarching thing here. How important is this transaction to the seller? How much money is involved in this transaction. Like the, the stakes are very, very high. And when we talk about a buyer as well, it's the same. A buyer is spending hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on this. The stakes are very, very high. So if you were to go into someone's house that you knew and it was actually worth, this is like some people's life savings, and you knew that it was that important to them, you would treat each interaction with that home with the reverence that it, that it deserves to um, the care and attention that it deserves. And you would treat each buyer, even the seller side with the care and attention because someone is looking for that home. And I think that if we can keep that perspective top of mind, then the communication, the respect, the diligence, all of these things that are required in a real estate transaction, uh, transaction become very, um, you know, very uh, easy because yes. we understand the importance that each person is and the value that each person is placing on this. I couldn't agree more. We've all used that phrase in our head. If I would have known then what I know now. Yeah. 
As a real estate professional, we have the ability to practice that empathy, putting ourselves in the shoes of the seller and what they've gone through, but then using the knowledge and experience that we have as professionals. And if we can balance those two every step of the way, well, we're going to have a lot more sellers and a lot more buyers as our careers go on. And a lot more realtors on the other side saying, God, I loved working with that Lindsay Smith. I hope I get yeah. to do that again. And the very next negotiation is going to be probably an extension of the first one. Smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's, let's talk about the offers. And you, you went through a lot of this already, but I just want to visit back to them. Um, Terrence, when you submitted an offer, what did you do? Uh, to the other side? What, how, how did you approach that with the other realtor? Let them know an offer is coming or did you let somebody know an offer is coming? We had a, one of the posts on our Facebook page, which is just like someone just sends over an offer, sends over an offer. <laughs> and you're like, yep. what? Like just get an email with an offer? Like what the heck? I, well, I would be asking first and foremost uh, early in the day, if it's conditional to get that right, uh, right out of the way. And, and hopefully the listing agent would divulge to me whether there's other interested parties at the time or whether I had anything to worry about. You know, we can't depend on that, but, you know, we can take the little bit of information we get along the way. Um, once I know concretely that my client's going to make an offer, I'm, I'm going to let the listing agent know that, listen, I'm going to be sending an offer in a couple of hours. Now, personally, I, would, I wouldn't let them know that at 9 a.m. I'd want to know the properties available because I don't want that listing agent necessarily calling everybody that's shown the property saying, I've got an offer coming in, trying to give my buyer some sort of an advantage. Um, because I know from experience that it's unlikely an offer is going to come in 10 minutes after I spoke to them and be fully negotiated within two or three hours. It just, it just doesn't happen that way. So that's a risk that we're typically willing to run unless it's a brand new property that just hit the market. But again, Every step of the way as a buyer or a seller, we're always weighing out the factors in the market. How much competition? How quick are things selling in this price point? How things are, how quick are selling in this community? Uh, is this the only property that's hit the market in three years with a view? Okay, we, we, need, to, we need to factor all those things in to understand how uh, informed we need to make the selling side without letting our buyers interests get caught up in the mix and showing our hands, so to speak. But uh, so we found out it's not, uh, not conditionally sold. Uh, prep my clients. Now I'm prepping my clients on what we think the seller is going to be expecting or what type of value the seller thinks that they should achieve for the home. We come to our agreement. We write the offer. What I'm doing now is I'm calling up the agent and I've either already told them that it's coming in a few hours or now I'm on the phone and I'm saying, listen, I'm sending you over an offer. And as soon as they answer my call, Lindsay, I literally hit send on my offer. I've already got it pre-written. See, what a lot of, a lot of the times, as we know, uh, the 80-20 rule is in effect for real estate. 20% of the agents do 80% of the business in a lot of cases. Um, and from that aspect, those agents are, are likely busy. So if I'm going to call up an agent and expect for them to get off the phone with me, call their seller, deliver that offer, and everything's going to go smooth, I'm sorely mistaken. There's a lot better chance that that selling agent is busy. So I'm going to give them a verbal over the phone of here's where my offer is at. Um, you know, my buyer's pre-qualified uh, with papers, with documentation, if I can. Through a major lender, I might not let everything out, but I'm going to give them some details to get them warm and fuzzy, like, ooh, we got a good buyer on the line. And I'm going to give them a breakdown. And then I'm, I'm hitting send on that offer because if that agent is busy, there's a chance they're just going to hit forward my entire email to their seller. And now my words on paper have a chance to impact that seller totally. in some way, shape, or form. Totally. Um, and that's, I always assume that the realtors are busy. I always assume that, um, well, I, I hope that they're too busy to really give their clients a full once over and, and talk to them in details so that I have a much better chance at impacting that seller from my buyer's benefit. 
Well, and, and to speak to that for a second, it's everyone is busy. I mean, even if you send it over to someone who sells one home a year because they have a part-time job or a full-time job to be well, they're busy. They can work in two jobs. It's like they, or, or it's like, wow, they're, you know, we're, we're a stay-at-home parent and we got this many kids or anything. It's like, well, you're busy because you got this many bloody kids. I mean, I know right now, the second I get home, it is like, I have a kid in my hands and it is like just one thing to the next. And then if I don't have a kid in my hands, then my wife is like, are we hanging out? So for me to even try to get back to text messages and things like that right now is very difficult because it's not like I set the kid down and I'm like, okay, honey, this is our first time together in the whole day. I'm now going to send about to text messages. So yeah. it is, you know, if anybody's been texting me lately, I'm slow on responding because of that. But, but yeah. everyone is busy and you nailed that. Yeah. Um, I think that is, I think that's all. I love what you said too. Now, one thing that I did and just clarify this on, on yourself, I actually wrote the offer first yep. and then I notified the person. Gotcha. Um, I think it, for me, it was always situational. If it's it. one of those things where I think it's a really hot property, I probably yes. notifying them of the intent so that we don't end up losing it. Or at least we have a chance to put our hat in the ring. If otherwise I'm talking to them saying, have you, are you sold? Are you conditional? No. Well, you know what? My client's heavily thinking of putting in an offer. Yes. But not necessarily it's coming. I've done that. I've done that. And the reason I say that is I've had, I think, three cases where I, I, my seller is like, hey, or my client's like, I'm going to meet you at seven o'clock. We go to meet and they call me and they say, Lindsay, we changed our mind. And I've just let the other agent know an offer is coming and a, a lesser agent and this is just a note for everybody out there, professionalism with your client. When you hear an offer coming in, don't get them excited. Don't, don't get them all like, oh my gosh, great news. We got this offer coming in. Because either A, you know, the offer may not come in. Or B, it comes as a super lowball offer. And now you're like, uh, I mean, it is good news that an offer came in. But if, you're, if you've man mismanaged the expectation of the seller side, I call them and say, you guys can be around. We've, uh, we've been warned that the offer might be coming in. And again, just manage your expectations. This could be low. I have no idea what it is on price, but yeah. just wanted to make sure you guys were available. And then they responded, yeah, okay, you know, well, hope, you know, keeping our fingers crossed. Yep, that's good. And you're off to the races. But too many yeah. times I've had disappointed sellers because I went back to them popping corks. The fact that we had an <laughs> offer coming in, <laughs> you know, too early on that, too early on that. I learned my own life lessons doing that. So, yep. I, I've seen it. I've been there. I, I totally get it. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. So, so let's, let's go through. And um, so obviously the notifications on that. Um, I just also want to say, just be diligent when you, when you are writing the offer, submitting the offer, get your initials in, pull title, make sure you have the, the, the changes in that you need, write a good offer, you know, like don't, don't make it all messy or lots of blanks to fill out. Like it just looks bad. And then what happens is if it looks bad, then some agents, and this is not anybody on this, on the, that's on the webinar right now, but some agents then end up talking to their sellers being like, Oh my gosh, there were so many mistakes that this shouldn't be this way. And you're trying to like, point out the errors the other agent has made to right. build yourself up and look like the better agent. But yep. here's what it does. It ends up making your sellers angry at the other side, less likely to negotiate. Stuff mm -hmm. starts becoming out of principle. Remember, you guys have to be the neutral third party that is, and not neutral, obviously you're representing the best interest of your clients, but if the other agent yells at you and the other agent is an asshole, oh, I said it. I'm not going to bleep that out. It's on the podcast now. But if the other agent is this, is this idiot and you communicate that to your clients, you have done your clients a disservice. You need to take that. You process that. You deal with that whatever way you need to be. But as far as your clients know, this is, you know, things are going along. Like you're, you're ticking it down. You're managing expectations of the process. Yes. You get hoodwinked every once in a while by an agent yeah. um, that, that pulls a fast one or makes a mistake, but you want to make sure that you are, um, you know, giving your client no other reason to be concerned because they have enough to be concerned about as well. They got their move, their pending yeah. move, they're packing, they're, they're financing, they're um, on, the, on the seller side, you have, you know, obviously th this is the money that you're going to retire with or put in your next dream home or whatever it happens to be. So there's too much, too much at stake for you to start 
making everything dramatic and bringing drama into it. Sorry, I'm digressing, but I'm just like, I, I couldn't agree with you more though, Lindsay, because the professional courtesy is right there. We go agent to agent and sometimes we're working with an agent on the other end that either is inexperienced, doesn't kind of understand the flow or like you said, is a complete idiot. And yeah. we don't like to, uh, you know, talk about agents in our industry that are idiots, but they do exist. Um, and truth is if I'm driving from point A to point B and I want to get to my destination, I may have to weather a few storms in the process if I want to get there and Absolutely. weathering the storm of an idiot on the other end, um, is very valid, but it completely can break down negotiations and kill a sale. The crazy part is, is that there's probably a buyer on the other side of that contract that doesn't know that they're dealing with an agent that isn't as qualified as they should be. Yeah. or as experienced as it should be, or don't have the backing in their corner to guide them when the going gets tough. And a deal can die because of that, as, as you and I have seen many times over. Yeah, it's your, it's your job as an agent that if someone comes to approach the transaction from an adversarial point, or like it's us versus them or whatever else, um, or they, they don't have the experience or they're just lazy or whatever it happens to be, um, it is your job now to adjust how you're going to work with that to make sure that your client is in the best possible headspace, has the best possible experience, gets the best possible result for their goals and you dragging the drama that you are passing along to the client. Like I've seen agents sit there on the phone and then hold the phone away and like, like roll their eyes. Like, can you believe what this person is saying? And they're still like, and making this type of thing and, you know, and, and mouthing like, Oh my gosh, like what? Like rolling their eyes and you're, you're enrolling the client into your drama yes. and it is, it's awful. It is absolutely inappropriate and it's awful. You know, what's interesting, Lindsay, is that you're, you're in the room with two clients and one of them could be on that wavelength where they do that as well. But their partner is sitting back saying, I hate that about my partner and now my realtor is doing it. Yeah. yeah. Right? It, it, is, it, it can impact it in so many different ways and you never know, no different than when you text or you email something, the perception of the reader can be totally different than what you intend. And yeah. you're always being graded to some degree. Um, yeah. And on that side now, if we were to flip it now, the, and this is one of the comments made on the Facebook page, which is so true. You know, you all, we've all dealt with that agent, but I've been in this business longer than you or this, or I've, you know, they're arrogant, they're bowling. Yeah. And you just, you know, you, you uh, uh, adapt, you adjust and you just let it go. Like just water off a duck's back. This person and I'll just share a, I'll, I'll share a situation. There's a very, there's a, there's an agent in this, this, this industry that is very well known. I shouldn't say very well known, but he's, but there, he, I said he, he's well known. And we literally, like, I always have this saying that if someone is difficult to work with, that affects other aspects of their life. Like this is, this is not isolated here. They are going to reap their karma, the rewards of their karma in, in other areas of life because how you do anything is how you do everything. So these bullies, these arrogance, which you guys should never ever be because you guys need to look in a mirror on all of that. Even if someone is, are you responding in a bullying, arrogant way? Um, but, <laughs> but this person then uh, goes and runs a brokerage and suddenly we've seen it where the brokerage cratered they lost everything twice, like everything else. And because they approached it the exact same way yeah. that, that they approached their real estate transactions. And it was just like, there was this day of reckoning of, of the, the attitude that, that this person approaches business with just was, it didn't work for life, you know, yeah. and they have, you know, paid the price for that in other ways. Really? So, you know, real quick, uh, We've all had the last minute chore request from a buying agent, followed by an offer that comes in with only five hours before it expires. Then financing comes in three hours before uh, they're supposed to remove conditions and they ask yeah. for an extension on inspection. The inspection comes in and, 
And now we've got, you know, six hours left before the inspection waiver needs to come in and they want a $3,000 reduction in the price of the home. And at the end of the day, we're looking back and it's very tempting to say, well, they've left everything to the last minute. This has gone on way longer than it should have. The professionalism of this realtor is questionable and they probably suck. And there's a potential that the deal could die. When at the end of the home, our seller has hired us to sell this home and we're on the verge of doing it. Yeah. So then we let all this other stuff come into play. The deal dies. The market turns. And now three weeks later, the seller has to accept 10 runaways. It's a combination of all these little steps. Now, if we blow them up every step of the way, we're going to be frustrated. Our seller is going to be frustrated. And who knows what can happen. So... I think the key point to what you're saying and, and, and why I'm summing this up is every step of the way, there's going to be speed bumps. We can't blow them up in the mountains. We, we got to roll with them. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you got it. You got to roll with it. I love it. So you mentioned actually on the condition side of things, um, you mentioned some good things about how conditions can go off the rails. Um, what are going through conditions on the selling side, and the buying side, what are just a few things that you were top of mind with, um, working on both sides? I think, um, when the offer comes in is, is educating the seller that, you know, this is a 95% buyer, meaning they're putting out 5%. Um, I want you to expect that there's a good chance that their inspection is going to come at the end. Um, as a buying realtor, whenever I work with clients, we did our inspection within the first two to three days, no matter what. Yeah, because even that 5% down buyer, to me, the financing was a formality. But we do have a lot of agents in this industry that don't push their clients to waste the money on an inspection if they're not going to get approved. Well, why are you wasting your time in the first place if you think your client's not going to get approved? Yeah, I thought your client was pre-approved. That's actually the first question I ask. Is your client pre-approved? Any offer? And they say yes. And then say, great. So getting the inspection, shortening the inspection condition uh, will be easy. Let's give you five days for the inspection and 14 days for financing. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. Uh, (laughs) I'm a fan of of when you sit with your client, your buyer client, and they're, and they're putting out 5% and you know that, you know, um, they're going to be tight with their funds. You respect it, but you educate them and you tell them, I'm going to be doing you a disservice if we do your inspection on the last day or two days prior. What if it, the inspection comes back saying you need six grand worth of work from the inspector's opinion? And then you get a few professionals in there and it turns out to be $1,000 because the inspector was wrong. It didn't need a whole new roof. It needed some treatment on that one side. It didn't need a whole new furnace. Um, it needed a thorough cleaning and an adjustment. And suddenly, you know, uh, the deal dies, everything's going pro- problematic. Your client ended up spending the money on it at the last day. Buy yourselves, buy your clients some time to yeah. digest things. And an inspection on the last day or the second last day, it doesn't give them the, the, the needed time to digest what they've seen and learned about their first home that they're buying. They're not seasoned vets. We can't yeah. assume that they know. So I think setting those expectations, and um, that's one thing. Whereas you're, you're dealing with a 20% down buyer, would you ever even balk at getting an inspection done in the first two or three days? Probably not. You're probably going guns and blazing. So yeah, yeah. Um, setting expectations with uh, with your buyers on that, and with your sellers too. Um, listen, we got an inspection coming up in a few days. Have you changed your furnace filter? Maybe clean a little around the furnace. Dust. You know, create some space so the inspector can get back and look at things. Um, the easier the inspector's job, the more likely he's going to like your home. Because yeah. believe it or not, everybody gets a pulse whether they like something or don't. And the easier an inspector can flow, the more signs you can show that the home is maintained, the more likely that that inspection is going to go through. And I pers- go ahead. no discredit to inspectors. They all do great jobs. Uh, I'm just saying that if you make their job a little easier, totally. the chance you're going to like your home a little bit more. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, and it just shows that diligence is that they have to worry less about the other things because, you know, they just believe that this seller was very diligent about keeping their property maintained and things like that. And the inspector pulls out a dirty furnace filter and immediately they're like, Oh, well, how long has this been? You know, how much pressure has been on this motor for, you know, however long to blow air through this furnace filter. So, um, 
yeah, I totally, um, I totally get what you're talking about. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and you also talked about, um, you know, alluded to the communication aspect about letting, letting the other side know that, you know, we might be pushed back a little bit because of my buyers qualifying or things like that. They're pulling money out of this. We have a few more hoops to jump through because of this, you know, this person is a non-resident or, you know, or a permanent resident versus a, a citizen and all those different things. And you're educating the other side and keeping the other side up to speed and up to date, especially the buyers keeping the sellers up because the sellers are just sitting there, waiting sometimes pining you know wondering what's happening so the communication there is absolutely critical Mm -hmm. yep couldn't agree more and uh, again the courtesy of the other realtor springing on the realtor hey we want on the inspection tomorrow at 10 a.m and it's it's uh today is 6 p.m it's not really giving them a lot of time to work things out especially if that agent's out showing properties till 9 p.m yeah. They're going to stop their showings to call the client to do a last minute inspection. You know, give people enough time to work with. Um, it's paramount importance. Take us through, I just want to, um, to wrap it up here a bit short on time now. And I want to ask the question of just how does this help you represent your client better? Buy side, sell side, whatever it happens to be. Tell us about how this professional courtesy um, just overall is better for your client. Well, I think on the buying side, uh, throwing some scenarios at them that could play out would have them better prepared in case those scenarios happen. Um, as a buyer, if it's a, bird, a newer property, listen, there's a chance we're going to go into a bidding war on this. And before we get there and you feel panicked uh, to answer a bunch of really difficult questions, maybe go out of your comfort zone, this is how it could play out. Um, letting them know something like that, even early in the day before you present your offer, at least gives them the day to digest on things. Um, as a seller, if I think, if, as a selling agent, if I think the property may generate multiple offers, I'm going to take the time to educate them on how that plays out and their options. And as a listing agent, if I haven't been in multiples too frequently, I'm going to recap. I'm looking up the rules. I'm talk, talking to the manager asking for recommendations. I'm calling my favorite colleagues that I have coffee with every Tuesday about the real estate market, asking for their advice before the scenario plays out. That way, when I'm delivering the information to my colleague on the other side of this thing, I'm able to give them information on how this is going to play out in a way that I'm not second guessing myself, causing that agent to second guess what they're doing because it's unfortunately infectious at times. Um, We all think we know and we, for the most part, we do, but you don't want to be caught second guessing in that critical time when us, the professional, is supposed to know how to operate. I love that, especially educating your clients in advance about important things that they need to know and being proactive. You know, you're anticipating their needs much like a Ritz-Carlton would, you know, as, a, as from a service standpoint. Um, and you're doing it through education. Um, talk for a second just on Realtor to realtor relationships. Um, why is it in your best cl- your client's best interest if if you can get along with the other realtor and you can do this in an amicable way? Well, as you alluded to in the very beginning of this call, if you get off on the wrong start, that can carry into the rest of the negotiation. That can carry into your future transaction with that person, or your future multiple transactions with that person. Some people, unfortunately, lack character and integrity. They'll see you at a Kreb event and say, oh, that's that guy, or that's that girl. And suddenly they're starting to spread rumors about you. So it's one of those things where um, we know better. Sometimes that person might have had a horrible day, could have gotten into a car accident just before they answered your call. And that's why they were rushed and hurried and, and basically hung up on you. I know it's extreme, but there's different scenarios that play out. But all these things for some people carry into the next showing request, then the next offer, then the next realtor event. So I think trying to have that open communication, uh, give people the benefit of the doubt, exercise empathy in every call and every transaction. And I think that that will help create that win-win for the buyer and the seller. It's so important. I've also, and we didn't, I bet you our, our feed here and on our Facebook page can tell of countless situations where 
somebody had an issue with somebody one day they said, listen, what was going on that day? And they found out about all this stuff that was happening. Found out that that person is a really good person. It was just yeah. a combination of events that led to that. And now 10 years later, their perception has totally changed about that person. Yeah. Which may have had a different impact on showings on negotiations. You just never know. Yeah. I love that. And we know, and we didn't talk about possession day uh, very much, but just the concept of if you have an amicable relationship and you've been easy to work with throughout this and proactive and things like that possession day, you know, my favorite thing, you know, leave a bottle of wine for the clients at your home inspection, you know, for letting the seller, the seller doing the work, just prepare their property, things like that, leave them a bottle of wine. Then at possession day, you'll get like instructions, you'll get like the keys left that, that are there. I've heard horror stories of nothing being left. In fact, the door was left open and it said, go ahead and access. And they said, well, where are the keys? It said, you know, we don't know. Uh, the, the tenant, we're not, we're not giving any keys and stuff. My, my client is not sending any keys over. Well, you have to. Well, was that written in the contract? Did you yeah. include keys as an unattached good as part of it? Um, so go get your locksmith if you want to do it. And it's like, you guys negotiate us down. 11th hour changes on this. I'm not providing you anything. In fact, we took the light bulbs and, you know, things like that. Like, it's crazy. You know, and I know we're going a bit over time, Lindsay, but you just said something of, of such importance. You, you are giving possession on a home with a keypad for the front door. That was there when you made the offer. Make sure there's keys at the time of the offer. Yeah. If there isn't, make sure that the keys are on the unattached goods list. You're showing a vacant property with a whole bunch of rubble in the basement and the sellers are living up the country. Put in a term that identifies that, that stuff has to be removed or a holdback will be put in place. You as a professional get to see these things that the excited buyer will miss. Yes. Uh, mirrors are beautiful in every bathroom. Make sure the seller knows that those got to stay yeah. or list them as the unattached goods. So seeing, seeing and communicating the things as professionals that we know, um, totally important and can save those headaches on possession day that often will arise. No different than calling the selling agent a week ahead Hey, my client and I uh, look forward to getting possession on this day. We'd like to do our pre-possession walkthrough on this day. Calling a week or two in advance versus the night before. Yeah. Um, but it starts with setting the expectation with your buyer as to when they're going to be available as well before you call that agent. So it's all about forward planning and effective communication. And you'll come off as that professional that will get the referrals, get the leads, and ultimately create the win-wins. I, I want to, I, it's where I was like, one more point, one more point. Yep. So I'm going to do it right now. One more point. I, I have to, we had a scenario a while ago, and I just want to talk about this, that don't miss, um, don't screw up when you're right. And what I mean by that is there's so many times that people are right and you're right but that's not helping anybody, i.e. in the example of someone took the light bulbs. It's like those would be screwed into the property. The mirror that someone took that's affixed to the wall, you know, is it glued, screwed, or nailed, or was this attached? And you might be right by leaving that out of the contract. And you could be 100% correct, mm -hmm. but in order for your client to get those things back, the only remedies they have are to take the person to court. And now because you were right, and you, but you said, so I, therefore I don't have to write it in. I don't have to do this because I'm right. I didn't have to double check. I didn't have to call them back for verification on this certain issue or to call and double check that they were going to be doing, you know, X, Y, Z, whatever it is in any scenario, because yep. they should know better or whatever else. Now, the only remedy your client has is to go to court. And that's the inconvenience you put your client through because yes, your client may win, but the issue is only over $1,500 and who has the time to go down and file the claims and everything else like that. So because you were right and you were so right that you felt, didn't feel the need, you need to follow up on it or do the due diligence, you've created a huge inconvenience for your clients. So don't let your correctness and your knowledge of the rules get in place of due diligence and prevent preventative inconvenience for your clients. Yep. So. Yep. All right. Terrence, we do have to, we do have to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I can't thank you enough for 
coming on. Um, I think that we can both agree that professional courtesy and all the stuff that we, um, you know, didn't talk about. And we had a lot of stuff on the, on the Facebook page. And um, I just, I wish we could have talked about everything, but these overall concepts of, um, you know, err on the side of excess communication to your clients, the other side, Terrence, you brought up uh, so many good points about empathy and understanding what the other person is going through. I think that's just, um, you know, and having, you know, putting yourself in their shoes. I think that's outstanding. And, and thank you so much for taking the time to give us your knowledge today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And thanks for challenging me with this. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. Well, everyone, um, you guys can listen to this episode and any more episodes that we've had in the past on CIR Realty Business Mastery, wherever you guys get your podcast. And also we encourage you to uh, follow us on Instagram and like us on Facebook. And we post up business tips and a bunch of other great information. So um, with that, we'll sign off and uh, thank you again, Terrence and all the best guys. We'll see you next week. Have a great day.